Welcome to Blood Moon Milk, the astrology show that comes out every new and full moon to help guide you on your mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation journey. I'm your host, Aurora, and this episode is all about the Gemini full moon that occurs on December 19th at 12.36 a.m. Eastern Time. But first, a couple of little announcements. I am doing a pop-up with Fossil and Hyde on Winter Solstice, December 21st, to celebrate the winter solstice. And I still have some spaces available, so come see me. You can book your mini session with me on my website at bloodmoonmilk.com. And all solstice sessions comes with a crystal prescription to help guide you through your upcoming year. I also have gift cards available for those who might like to give the gift of astrology. They're good for private Zoom sessions, which can also be recorded, just FYI. And those are also available over at the website, bloodmoonmilk.com. And if you would like a daily dose of blood moon milk, then be sure to sign up for the daily dose email newsletter from me giving you a heads up about the astrology and the energy of the day coming your way. It helps you know what's coming before it happens and it also helps support the show. Okay, there is a lot of exciting energy happening during this full moon, but first let's give ourselves a little refresher on Gemini energy. Gemini is the first air sign of the zodiac and it's the mutable air sign. Air signs in general want literal space and breathing room, if you will. In terms of zodiological progression, fire is the inspirer, the flash in the pan, the here today, gone tomorrow kind of energy. Earth signs, send, earth signs tend to seek and implement permanent change and to stabilize everything that fire started. But air energy can be stifled by too much stagnation, so it wants to get away from everything that is too stagnant and stuffy. Air signs like distance because it can help them gain an objective perspective on a given situation, and logic is the realm of the air element. Mutable signs tend to usher in change, but usually a very specific kind of dissolution of existing structural changes. They tend to come at the end of seasons. Gemini at the end of spring, Virgo at the end of summer, Sagittarius at the end of fall, and Pisces at the end of winter. Those are all of the mutable signs. Gemini is ruled, of course, by the fastest of moving planets, Mercury, who's known for his gift of the gab and wit. And he's a great conversationalist, but he is also known for his duplicitous nature. This is most obvious in Gemini because, after all, they are the sign of the twins. Most Geminis I speak to feel as if they are two minds living in one body in some kind of regard. Sometimes this can manifest as the proverbial angel-demon complex where you feel capable of great and beautiful compassionate acts of kindness or equally as intense demonic acts of deviousness. It's like, you know, that old like cartoon, you've got an angel on one shoulder telling you what to do, and then you've got the devil on your other shoulder telling you what you shouldn't do, but like kind of making it very enticing and appealing to do that kind of thing. Um, the Gemini energy is all about 
exploring this balance and in asking others what they think to help internalize and reflect on this own inner seesaw of energy that's happening internally. There are, of course, always equal opportunities for signs to express their positive aspects as well as their negative traits. Some of Gemini's gifts include androgyny, adaptability, cleverness, and curiosity. They can also be excellent mimics and have a high appetite and have a high aptitude for learning, especially when it comes to learning by repetition. And of course, they can be gifted and skilled communicators. On the negative side, Gemini energy can be superficial, hypocritical, nervous, opinionated, and very self-involved. They're also known for being two-faced to serve their own self-interested ends. So that's the negative aspect of the twins' duplicity. Now that we have a little reminder of the energy Gemini brings the table, let's look at the astrology of this full moon in Gemini. The full moon will occur at 27 degrees Gemini in opposition to the sun, who will be at 27 degrees Sagittarius. That is, of course, what a full moon is. It's when the moon is in opposition to the sun. And Gemini is, of course, the great communicator of the zodiac. And this full moon promises to put the spotlight on all things communication. The chart for this full moon has a moon in the 10th house, suggesting that there can be an emotional emphasis on publicity, public standing in the community and society. There is a public need and an emotional desire to be recognized for the ideas people bring to the table. And so this could play out both publicly on the, the macro level, but also on a microcosm in your own personal lives. This is something that you might feel coming up in some regard for you. But just a friendly reminder, always make sure that you check out where the full moon is falling in your chart. Just make a note of where 27 degrees Gemini is, what house it is, if it falls on a cusp between two things, because that can give you a clue and some insight as to where and how this energy might show up and manifest in your unique life. So this full moon has a harsh but minor aspect to Venus. Um, which is the most prominent aspect of this full moon. Um, it's a quincunx, which is a minor aspect. It is harsh, but it's not the, like, the worst thing in the world. It's not a square. It's not an opposition. It just means that there could be a little bit of friction. Friction can be good. Uh, there's always a positive outcome for even the harshest of aspects, but it just takes work and determination and looking for positive, you know, th those silver linings that come with any harsher aspect. The way this quincunx tends to show up is as feeling as though we need to be everything to everyone. This can leave the people pleasers of the world feeling very lonely and isolated because they will be busy prioritizing everyone else's needs before their own basic needs. And at the worst, this can make people forget themselves. It can show up as a literal kind of de-selfing. Um, 
and this can happen and be very pronounced um, in an individual's chart. I don't expect this to show up like in the news, so to speak, but um, if somebody is being triggered by this transit during this full moon, it would be pretty obvious because they'd be the one running around making sure everybody else is being taken care of and not noticing that, you know, uh, their shoes untied or they've got like stains on their shirt. Um, and it could just be, you know, a phase or a stage of life that that person is experiencing at that particular moment. You know, energy comes in waves and phases anyway, so it's probably not the end of the world, but just look, look out for it. And if you see somebody behaving this way, notice it and go help them out, you know? Go invite them to take it easy and try to make them a little bit more comfortable in their own skin and that'll help help them feel a little less overwhelmed by everything that's going on. You know, just ask them if there's anything that you can do to help take things off of their plate so they can, you know, check in with themselves just a little bit more. Um, this energy could be overwhelming and leave us feeling depleted and scattered. Uh, Venus will be in Capricorn and she'll be conjunct Pluto. And this could add fuel to the fire because Pluto is the most powerful, the most intense of the planets. And he creates a kind of finality to anything he's part of. And whatever he shifts, he shifts permanently. So Venus is here and she's going to be feeling a little bit frazzled by this full moon. So whatever happens in terms of Venus and Pluto could be very final. Um, but Pluto brings a certain amount of gravitas. Um, he can also have a possessive and ob slash obsessive streak. And he can come off as being controlling and restrictive at times. He can also have very positive expressions, and Venus is a very happy, positive planet. So it could be the case that this like joyful, like creative, abundant energy of Venus is inspiring Pluto in some ways to feel possessive and see something that he wants and wants to keep it and have it forever. Um, so this could lead to a kind of a flurry of romantic proposals um, right around this full moon um, because this is classic like joining of both romantic partners, uh, creative partners, and financial investments in a very traditional sign of Capricorn. Venus and Pluto are both in Capricorn during this full moon. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing people getting engaged left and right. So normally, and if, it, if you are getting engaged right before this full moon, um, it's probably not the end of the world. Congratulations, but a word of caution, if you are getting engaged after the full moon happens because, because Venus will be going retrograde and she doesn't go retrograde very often. She goes retrograde approximately about every 18 months or so. The last time she was retrograde, I believe she was retrograde in the sign of Scorpio. Um, and whenever she goes retrograde, it just symbolizes that there's something that she needs to go back and fix. But that 
weakens Venus's energy. That means she is concerned with old issues and not wanting to think about the future as much. Um, there can be old lovers that come out of the woodwork. There could be old partners, um, like an old flame of some sort, or just like triggering emotional events that make you question your existing relationships in some way. Um, so if you're looking to put a ring on it, I suggest you wait until Valentine's Day because Venus will be moving forward again. She'll be helping you make that very romantic grand gesture and giving you the confidence to say yes. Um, and truly, if you are waiting and, and willing to make a lifelong commitment to somebody, a couple of months is not likely to be the end of the world because you're going to spend the rest of your lives together. Spend that extra time, you know, planning your proposal or shopping for that ring that's going to make the person's heart sing. Um, it, it will be worth waiting for because Venus will help you make it all the more special when that time comes. But if you get engaged during a Venus retrograde cycle, it's just not likely to start you out on the best foot. And you can always, you might just find yourself always questioning whether or not this was the right thing to do. So I'm not saying don't get engaged to the person you're with. I'm just saying it might pl play to your benefit to just slow your roll a little bit and really think about things carefully for the next couple of months and then confidently say yes if that's what you truly desire come Valentine's Day. So during the full moon, Jupiter will also be present to sprinkle his magic onto the energy at play as he will be trying this full moon. Jupiter is, of course, in Aquarius, the kind of the tail end of Aquarius. He's at 28 degrees, I believe, during this full moon, uh, 28 degrees Aquarius. So um, the full moon is, as, as I said earlier, at 27 degrees Gemini. So those two energies are trying and uh, the Sun and Sag will be sextile to Jupiter, creating an even more jubilant, abundant opportunity and energy for conversation, for travel. You might talk to an old friend and decide, you know, I have been, we've all been stuck for a really long time. Let's make those travel plans now. It would be a good time to make them because of course, uh, Mercury is not retrograde and he's, um, He's currently in Capricorn, so you can feel confident about making smart decisions about those travel arrangements that are practical, but will be likely to be very joyful and have uh, just fun results. So you can feel confident about making those choices. So this is kind of a sweet full moon. There's not too many harsh aspects going on and the ones, even the harsh ones are likely to be ameliorated because of the presence of Venus. Something good is going to happen uh, and it's likely to be one of the nicest full moons we've had all year thanks to Jupiter and Venus here. So enjoy it and let's think about ways we can use this energy for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation. Of course, 
Gemini energy is all about communication. So the throat chakra is a good place to focus your intentions during a full moon meditation. And think about what you say and just importantly, how you say what it is that you say. Lapis lazuli can help you to clearly express yourself in creative, thoughtful, and clear ways. Amazonite is another crystal that is great for the throat chakra, which can help rid ourselves of negative emotions and help to marry the healing energy of the heart to our throat chakra so we can speak with love and purity. So those are my crystal prescriptions for this full moon in Gemini. Here are some questions to help guide you during your meditation and to help you manifest what it is that you really desire in this life, in this world. Who is my tribe and how do I fit in? Do I feel appreciated by the ones who I devote my energy to? And if I don't feel that I fit in, how can I speak my truth? If I do fit in, how can I let others know how comfortable I am in a way that also puts them at ease? How do I communicate my love and affections? And I'm positive, am I positive with the ones I love? Or do I need to work on being better about communicating my deepest feelings? What might be blocking me from expressing myself? How can I speak my truth confidently? That's it for this episode of Blood, Moon, Milk. I'm your host, Aurora. Until next time, happy full moon. And I hope to see you at the winter solstice pop-up. Uh, check Instagram for details on where that's going to be. It will be a wonderful day, and I look forward to seeing many of you there. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.